Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. I don't care very much for the whole victim mentality on everything, okay? Because it's not really the case for believers, is it? If you're a Christian, Romans 8, 28 says what? All things work together for good. Some of you know the scripture. Uh, All things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes. So the whole story is, hey, if you love God, God's gonna work this horrible situation for good. You wanna love God? Here's the way you love God. You can give your life, surrender to Jesus Christ. You know, it's a great open door. You, you see what I'm saying? But the circumstance, you can't give that kind of guarantee. Oh yeah, things are gonna work out. But if you're a Christian, I can say to you, if you come talk to me, I don't care what the situation is. I can tell you, but you know what? God's got a purpose and a plan because all things will work together for good. Ask Joseph, how'd things go for him? He had a very lot of difficult times, didn't he? Now, do you ever think that God wasn't with him? Well, there are times where you look at it and you go, I, I, boy, I don't know, it doesn't look good. I've stood, just because of my construction background, I've had to be in some ditches that are fairly deep and not super wide. So I kind of have a little bit of a concept about what it's like maybe standing in there and knowing that, well, if, if, the, whole, if the ditch didn't go back up at a slight ramp and I didn't know the backhoe was still operating, I would be very concerned about getting out, right? But I can see that I can find my way out. Well, he got just thrown in this you know, pit by his brothers and left there. Now you gotta believe it. You question things like that. What have I done? What's gone on? My brothers hate me. Now they come get him. Oh gosh, we can't leave him for dead in here. We gotta at least get, you know. So they pull him back out and then they find, oh, there's some gypsies from Egypt. Let's sell them off to them, some slave traders. Perfect. Think about it. This is not like, oh wow, gosh, awesome, God's leading me. But God was leading. Please understand that in your difficulty, in your trials, in your suffering, some God can be very much at work in the midst of that, even though it's very difficult and sometimes hard to see. For the Lord sent you away. I just love that. It was God's doing. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed, the Lord be between you and me forever. Great. So up to that point, good news. I would say this uh, verses 19 on in through 23, it's got a couple of interesting things that we want to look at quickly, very quickly, and then we'll move on. This place, you know, they had all their stuff, they named things, you know, the rock of this, the well of that, that, you know, remember how they named places, you know, that was just what, and so it's always interesting to look at what, what's the name of, well, the stone easel. It's interesting that, that the easel means that shows the way. It's interesting that that's just what that particular, that it shows, that that's what it means, that shows the way. So he's to go hang out by the rock that ultimately shows the way. It's just, I think that's fascinating, wonderful little things to find. The Bible's rich and deep in all kinds of concepts and truths. And then it says, then I will shoot three arrows. Basically the idea of wait at the base of the rock and an arrow will show the way. Now you and I are thinking, golly, 
man, I got this difficulty, I got this situation, I got this stuff going on, so I'm just gonna hang out the rock and I'm, you know, watching, for, waiting for some arrows to point the direction, you know? You wish it would be like that sometimes, don't you? Like, could you please point me in the right direction on some of this? Show me what to do next, show me how to go about this. Because sometimes it's difficult, you know? to really figure out what's the leading. Because the point is, that's one of the big questions we all get. What's the will of the Lord or what's the leading of the Lord in a situation? And I think sometimes we got to think through, well, sometimes we got to just stay close to the rock, stay close to Jesus. And in time, he will point you in the right way. Circumstances, situations, things will guide you as you stay close to the Lord. God is faithful to do that. He will always point you in the right direction, but I think definitely one of the keys is to stay close to the rock, close to the person of Jesus Christ, man. That's where we get our direction and our guidance. And God is faithful. And I like this. God gives us direction, not based on our perfection. So it's not necessarily always based on you and I always thinking and doing exactly all the right things. God is a loving Father that's gonna give you and I direction because he loves us. You know, think about it. You don't withhold guidance just because someone's getting a little bit skewed. You don't withhold guidance on that. Sometimes it's all the more reason you need to step in and give a little more guidance, right? God is so loving and he's a wonderful father that wouldn't withhold. The Bible says he withholds no good thing he withholds no good thing from us. And so as his kids, man, he, you can trust that God's gonna give you the guidance you need because he's a loving father. Then David in verse 24, hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down to, to eat the feast. Now the king sat down in, in his seat as at other times. And on a seat by the wall, and, and Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day for he thought something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is, he is unclean. And it happened the next day and the second day of the month that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? Now it's starting to get, get into the nitty gritty here. So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city. This is verse 29, about midway. And my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me go away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Verse 30, we get the kicker. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan interesting. Now, now he's upset and angry with Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. I think we can see what that, the point of that is. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? You know, it's, it's a rough thing that he's saying there, really. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. He's trying to kind of threaten and say, hey, that guy, you know, is a threat to you. He, this, you see how he's trying to, isn't that the perversion of, of the enemy like that? He's trying to create this, this twist in it that, oh yeah, you see how he's against you, you know, and he's trying to subvertively, you know, go underneath and, and pull him into this, his, his way of thinking. 
you know, you're not gonna be able to do this or you're not gonna be able to do that if, that's, if that person's in play, you know, it's just craziness. Now, therefore, it's demonic is what it is. He says, now, therefore, send and bring him to me for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? Legitimate question. What, what, gosh, dad, what, what, what's the problem really, you know? Then Saul, all of a sudden, went all crazy and cast a spear at him to kill him. He's thrown it up by which Jonathan knew that he, it was, that he, he got the point, didn't he now? That, that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food in the second, on the second day of the month. We'll get into the rest of this in just a second. A couple of things before we move on. Your heart and my heart were not designed to harbor anger. Anger ultimately turns into bitterness. The bitterness and the anger feed off of one another. And the next thing you know, you're a spear chucker. You know, this is just what happens. You just go into that move. You know, know, I don't like what they, you know, we just start throwing things at people all the time. This is the interesting thing. In our story so far, he's all bent out of shape because David has kind of, God's anointed him and God's raising him up, right? And he's upset because of the calling on David's life. And he's jealous of that and he's angry about it, right? Even though, even though, his anger is at David because he sees in his perverted thinking, he sees David as an enemy, right? Saul is angry at David because he sees David as a threat and an enemy to him personally. That's the way he sees it. We're clear on that. There's no questions about that. Isn't it interesting that Jesus told us, right, to love your enemy? Why? This is the truth that we find here. Love your enemies. Why? Just because it seems like it's just warm and fuzzy to do or because it's, you know. No, I think Jesus knows exactly what God knows what he's trying to tell us. Love your enemies. Don't brew up this hatred. Don't get that bitterness. Let it settle in your heart. There's a warning, you know, that don't let the root of bitterness set in because it will defile many. You know, in other words, it doesn't just stay. As as much as we try and keep it self-contained, it doesn't stay there. It just gets erped up on all kinds of other people and stuff, and it just, it turns into a big, ugly mess. Look it, think about this now. He's upset with David. He has hatred for David because he sees David as a threat and an enemy. He doesn't love David. David, let's flip this around. David on the other side, still has respect for and loves Saul because he's king. God chose him to be king. Now, this guy's trying to kill him and he has every reason to, you know, see him as an enemy. Now, he is David's enemy, but, but not on David's part, you see? David just knows, I got a split, man. This guy's freaking out. So he just leaves. But think about this. What happens to Saul? The hatred that he's brewed up isn't just any longer directing at David anymore, but now it's in his own home. It's on his own family. It's all spreading out all over the place. He's trying to kill his own son now. 
because of his hatred for someone. Love your enemies, Jesus said. Now we can see why. In other words, don't allow that to build up in you. Don't allow that to be there because that bitterness, I I likened it into this when I first learned this concept. When I was living on Maui many, many years ago, just surfing and hanging out, basically surfing, some hanging out, but I lived across the street from a harbor. It was Kahului Harbor. It's not far from the airport where you land there. And I lived in, you know, just the regular folk, uh, low-income housing there in the area. Um, I was, had low income. So I was a surfer and I didn't have much money and that's where I lived. But I, I'm living there and right across, I'd watch these big uh, Matson ships come in, you know, that were the carrier ships. You know, they were the cargo ships that would come in and out. And that's how things came to that. This is bigger than Gilligan's Island where Ward was born, but uh, where Ward grew up. But it's uh, so just a little bit bigger size island. Uh, but... And they didn't, you guys didn't, you had, they just threw, flew by and threw stuff out with a little parachute for Ward. But uh, that's no joke, ask him after service. Anyhow, so this whole idea of this, this big cargo ship would pull in, it's a Matson cargo ship. It pulls in and drops off these big things. But then I'd watch, you could see coming out of the side, just steady stream of water. I'm thinking, oh, that's a mess, you know? Well, now I go out surfing one time. And I'm surfing out there. It just closed out all over the island. It was super big, and we, but we could surf in, inside because it was so big, it was, the swell was coming into the harbor. And so I saw other people going out surfing, so I went out surfing. I just had really bad influenza, and it was a really bad experience because I, I couldn't breathe good. I, it was, I was sick, but the waves were calling. It was, I had to go, and it was bad. I, so you jump off this jetty, and you paddle out a little ways, and you get so all of a sudden, I get... It was pretty big. I didn't realize what I got myself into. So I get wiped out. And so all of a sudden I'm being dragged along. The board's like this, the wave's pushing the board and I've got a leash tied to my you know, ankle and I'm bouncing off the bottom of the reef. I'm getting cut up and, and stuff on the bottom of the reef. And all of a sudden, sweet relief comes, but it's not in a good form. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm not being dragged anymore. The board goes in and I got a long, long, long swim across the harbor. Learn a lot of lessons. Don't go out after you have influenza and don't surf in harbors where the Matson boats are. Because when you get cut up, it, it wasn't just regular, it was bad. I, I got cut up because, and it got all infected and everything because the Matson boats pollute the harbor. They just pull in and they just dump all their sewage and you know, it's all going out into the water. I don't know any of this in ignorance. You know, I would have not gone in that water, but I didn't know that. The point is, is your harbors aren't supposed to be like that. But what you and I do when we harbor bitterness, you get a bunch of stuff like that dumped into your heart. And it just messes everybody up that gets in the water around you. You gotta be careful, guard your heart. Let, this is what forgiveness is all about. We wanna be reconciled, even if we're just reconciled to the Lord. Even if you know somebody's wronged you, be reconciled with the Lord. Seek forgiveness in your heart that you have hatred for, toward them and move on. Let God heal that and move on. Move on because you don't wanna do that with other people. It hurts other people. Look at what Saul ends up doing. He's giving his wife a good cousin and telling her what she's like you know, talking bad to her. He's bringing all this hatred and bitterness into, a, into the dining table. He's now trying to kill his own son. That's what hatred does. And he didn't really hate his son or his wife, right? But now because of his hatred that's in him, it's coming out on other people around him and it's in his immediate family. We gotta be wise. We gotta be careful. Love your enemies. Just love your enemies. 
Man, isn't that a powerful truth? So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger, ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. We're just about to the end of this this evening. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out in the field at the time appointed with David. And a little lad was with him. And then he said to his lad, now run, find the arrows which I shoot. The lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was which Jonathan shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, is not the arrow beyond you? Now he's sending out the message and Jonathan cried out after the lad, make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. The kid doesn't know what's going on, but he's letting David know what's happening. The lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, carry them into the city. And as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times and kissed, and they kissed one another and they wept together, but David more so. And then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendant and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. No doubt, deep, deep special bond that they shared together. No doubt, Jonathan's willing to put himself in a real place of jeopardy, giving him warning and letting him get, get, get free. You know, their care and their interest for one another and the fact that, man, you know, they're not gonna be able to, you know, run in battle now, maybe ever again together. Their life circumstances have radically changed and they're in a whole nother situation now. And their life is... Now, when I read that, I read through that and I think, man, you know, that's the leading of the Lord? Sometimes. You know, we read through the New Testament, very similar types of stories. When we go through and we look at how things played out, we talk often about Philippi, for example, and signing up to go on that missions trip. You know, we always want to find out, well, what, what will the conditions be like? Are, are these, is this a four-star hotel, or do we have to go to a three-star? I mean, you know, well, there's no stars where we're going, you know. Think about it, where, where, where Paul and these guys go and, you know, all of a sudden they end up, you know the story, but the short version is they end up in jail in Philippi. You know, they just end up worshiping the Lord. But who signs up for trips like that? You know, yeah, I want to go. I want to go reach Philippi with the gospel and end up in jail and just end up, you know, hanging out with rats and other people chained to us. And, you know, this is awesome down in the bowels of this, this, you know, cell. And what else do you do? I guess you just worship, you know, so that's what they do. They just worship the Lord, praising God, not because they're in jail, but because God's God and he's worthy of our praise wherever we are, whatever our circumstance. I think we forget that the sacrifice of praise that we want to offer up, no matter how we feel, you know, that offering up to the Lord. And you think about this and you think about who wants to sign up for that? But then all of a sudden there's this, oh great. Now we're just gonna die covered by this rubble in this earthquake in the bottom of this cell down here. Great, this is awesome. That's what I would have, this is all my thinking interjected in this. This is what I would think if it were me. Now all of a sudden, you know, the cell opens up, you know, they come running out. 
Is this the way you plan for everything to go for you when you strike out to talk to people about the Lord? Is this the way you plan on ministry to always go? The school of suffering is part of the Christian experience for all of us. No matter what we do, we go through difficult times. Go back to Romans and read it, man. Out of those tribulations, those difficult times, those sufferings that we experience, those crushings, those crushings that happen to us. Man, the Lord's gonna develop and do something good in your life through it. You let it happen. Don't resist it. Let God have his way. It makes you stronger. It develops character and it gives you hope. It's it's good. These guys ultimately end up coming out. The the Philippian jailer who wants to kill himself because he figures everybody's run free. He comes out. The Philippian jailer gets saved. Now all of a sudden they go over. They share the story with the Philippian jailer's family. The family gets saved that night. They go down to the creek. They baptize all them. They start a church in Philippi. Now, it wasn't birthed out of the way you and I expect everything to go. I'm so fascinated with the way things are done today and the way the agreements are made. On For ministry, it's not like the world. It's not what is your, your car allowance gonna be and what type of thing do I get or don't get or what kind of insurance plan do I, it just doesn't go that way. You know, it, it, not in true ministry stuff. That's the ways of the world. I love the fact that, man, God never talks about any of that stuff. And I read this and I read, man, here is Jonathan and his best friend and his best friend's gotta go. And and he knows his best friend is really anointed to be king. He knows that. He knows he's in line to be king. And yet now he's gotta flee because this Jonathan's dad is is trying to kill him. Jonathan's dad is the king, Saul. And it's just, can you imagine the turmoil and the things they're trying to work? Where's God? God in this, you know? I thought God was the one that anointed you, dude. You know, that's what I'd be saying if I was Jonathan. Dude, what happened? I thought God anointed you to be king. What's up with this? Because it doesn't always work your way. It doesn't always work my way, but God's got a plan. No matter what, who's wronged who or who's doing what to whom and all that, man, God's got a plan. And as a Christian, you can know that you're God's child and not a thing goes on in your life or my life, but that the Lord, our Father, knows about it and has allowed it because of Romans 8, 28, because he's gonna allow that, that all things will work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. You know, that's what we signed up for. Brothers and sisters, I give you the truth. That's what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for the perfect life. We signed up for real life. And real life is found in Jesus Christ, and it's eternal. It's forever and ever and ever. Other people are living for temporary life, and then eternity is a bummer. We're living for real life, and eternity is gonna be awesome. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. You know, in in the book of Acts, we learned a great little story. And I think about it sometimes when we wrap up a a message like we did today and and how there's just a, a response that kind of stirs in us when we hear God's word. You know, there was a, a guy that was a, a, a Philippian jailer. He was, a, a, you know, just a jail guard, and he realized that the people that he was interacting with uh, were worshiping God and uh, connected with God. And 
His response when he interacted with these guys, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You know, God's got a plan and a purpose not only for you, but for your family, for your household, for your friends. But it begins with you giving your life to Jesus and getting right with God. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you did give your life to Jesus, but you're not walking with him. Either way, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel message, the good news that God loves you and and has a purpose and plan for your life. Anyway, God loves you, and it's a simple prayer of faith, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. God will forgive you of your sin if you will confess your sin. He will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Let's pray that prayer right now. Jesus, I want to ask that you'd forgive me of all my sin, that you'd come into my heart and make my heart your home. I want to receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for everlasting life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit that my life might please you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.